This is a throwdown, a showdown. Hell no, Rob Fay Nation can't slow down. It's gonna go. First offense. All the mix. Okay, party people in the house. You're about to witness something you've never witnessed before. Yeah, hustle in the house. Yeah, hustle in the house. What is going on? I'm Rob Fain. Welcome to your Monday edition of Sports Bar Radio, the 25th day of October. And we have a, say it with me everybody, a boatload of stuff to get to today. Minutes away from Hockey Insider Rob Simpson, who will join me on this fine show, talking everything Canucks, from everything that happened last week, to what lies ahead with the Wild, uh, with the Oilers, and so many teams coming through town. A seven-game homestand. And all seven of those games are going to have fans, and I can't wait to hear the energy and the buzz back at Rogers Arena just hours from now. As well, we'll talk about the NFL. Uh, Yeah, that was a very big week. Tom Brady entering the 600 TD club that has a population of one. We'll talk about the NCAA, uh, SFU football. We're going to get into all things basketball, football, baseball, hockey, UFC, boxing, you name it. We will try to shoehorn it into the next half hour. But let me get you to that one guest. Oh, no, we're not going to the lead today. Let me get you to that one guest that has all the answers to all the questions about your favorite team. Let me get you to today's headliner. The game heads to the break, and just as you get ready to call the waitress over for your next round, the lights go down, the music stops, and the DJ looks around like the power just went out. Suddenly, a spotlight shines to the front of the bar, and the doors open. No way. The headliner has arrived. All right, it is Monday, which means we get an opportunity to hang out with Robert Simpson, uh, who happens to be down at Rogers Arena today. Robert, good afternoon. Well, it's a pleasure to be here also, Robert, at the Rogers Arena, where the Canucks just wrapped up their practice. Now, before we get on to the Minnesota Wild and the fact that the Vancouver Canucks are going to be home with fans for the first time in nearly two years, let's recap your trip down Interstate 5, because it was an opportunity for the Canucks to be a part of history, and it was a good part of history as we welcome the 32nd team into the NHL, the Seattle Kraken. Before we get into the details of the game, first thoughts in the arena and first thoughts on the overall experience. Gorgeous arena. I've previously had spent quite a bit of time in that city and and always loved it. So it was kind of cool to be back there after a long uh, time away. It was hopping, like tailgating going on all day. I remember, I think I tweeted a picture and you, you responded on Twitter like, oh my God, that's the key arena. Yep. And they spent billions, I guess, uh, close to whatever, uh, lifting the classic roof, which they considered a historical item, digging down underneath it and building the climate pledge arena and then putting the roof back on. So it's an amazing building, very vertical, similar to Detroit, little Caesars. Uh, your, your sight lines are phenomenal, no matter where you're sitting, if you're a spectator. So very modern and cool that way. And uh, just a great atmosphere. The crowd was absolutely jacked. And I think we have a good little rivalry coming right out of the blocks. You know, what I found interesting about that was that fans who went down there and we were able to see a handful of Canuck fans make their way down the interstate was that the prices were something that people were talking about. I, you know, I think with everything going on, the pomp, the circumstance that surely that wouldn't be news on day one. But when you see that it was $16 US for a cider, there were some people (laughs) that were coming back with some moderate reviews. Well, first of all, Rob, you're talking to a guy who uh, worked around the Maple Leafs for a while with Maple mm-hmm. Leaf Sports and Entertainment. So this is not a surprise. <laughs> I mean, there, in terms of sticker shock, I've seen it at its very worst. I had friends come in from out of town to go like see whatever Canucks and Leafs or Red Wings Leafs. 
and I think it was a, it was a $19, 12 ounce beer there. So yeah, I mean, I guess they figure if you can afford to go to the hockey game, then you can afford 20 bucks for, for a brew after $40 for parking and yada, yada, yada. Okay. Well, let's talk about this game very quickly. I just wanted to talk about two things here. One, Bo Horvat serving notice that he is still very much a big part of this uh, team offensively. And then we're going to talk a little bit about the lotto line, which got broken up before that game was done because they are not producing. So let's start with the good, Robert. Let's talk about Bo Horvat. He just seems to always have a understanding of the moment and was in the right place at the right time and potted a pair. Yeah, and I really like the timing of the second one. Uh, I, I like the power play goal, given that it was kind of under under pressure. It came in a clutch situation, and you know it tied the hockey game. Uh, it, it was just a big moment and a, and a big relief for the Canucks as they tried to come back for a second time in the hockey game. So, yeah, good for him. And he has out of his four points, he has three goals thus far, and of course he had two that night. He was my number two star though, because Thatcher Demko in the second period stole the show. Um, he made two saves that would be essentially save of the month caliber, uh, both in the same period of the hockey game. So for me, it was Demko one, Horvat two, and then Connor Garland three. But yeah, Bo Horvat's been very, very good. You referenced the lotto line. Elias Pettersson's just not quite been himself yet, but he's finding his game. Of course, he came to camp late, came to the preseason late. I get a chance to get into this with um, Travis Green, the head coach yet, but I will bring it up depending on how things develop with Petey. He took a big hit from Colin Miller early in the Buffalo game, took a hit to make a play, led to a scoring chance, but he went down hard and basically kind of vanished in that Buffalo game. Um, I don't know if he traditionally historically is a guy, because you'll hear this around the league. You'll say, oh, hit him once and he's, he'll be a ghost the rest of the night. I'm not sure if that's him, but it sure seemed like it that night, and it probably was a little bit of a setback in terms of his development coming out of that stunted preseason. So we'll see. The problem here is that he held out for money, and now the expectation is on him to make up ground in a little bit of time. I mean, I would assume, and I think it was you that actually said, you need probably about 15 to 20 games to you know really get your traction, or maybe it was 10 to 15, but somewhere in that time period before you know you can really start to put your stamp on this team as to what they are. I've also got to say, when you hold out, you got yep. to make sure that you're ready to rock because there's no excuses now, especially when now you're a $7 million a year guy. The expectation goes up. Absolutely. And, and Quinn Hughes is in the same boat and he tried to maybe do a little too much or just circumstances put him in a situation where he had to too, do too much. He had two games of 27 plus minutes and then a game of 29 plus minutes because of course the Canucks had to do a little extra work into overtime on a couple of occasions. And then he took a, basically a game off a maintenance day um, to kind of regroup and reset. And boy, oh boy, I'll tell you though, he's not missing anything. Like his progression is a little quicker. Um, What a difference. Uh, I mean, this kid is, I don't want to say spectacular yet, but he is on his way and he's a difference maker. Like when he was not in the lineup, unbelievably noticeable and when he's in the lineup he does a little bit of everything very quickly before we move on to the news of Connor Garland and his emergence and all the rest of the storylines I just want to say in 60 minutes of hockey Elias Pettersson has five shots on net and no goals I just think when you're the marquee guy and you've got five shots in 60 minutes of on ice time that's noticeable Yep. Well, one of the things that 
first thing I bring up when analyzing this and writing it, one of my pieces is don't panic. First of all, I mean, again, what we just went over regarding his preseason and where he's at. I mean, that is a factor. Travis green, just literally 15 minutes ago here after practice said exactly the same thing. He was talking about Pedersen. He basically just said, uh, give it time. It's developing. I'm still playing with lines. You will notice, though, as you brought up already, the lotto line got disbanded. He's he plugged him into probably three different combinations in Seattle the other night, but no panic there either. So give him a little time. We'll see what happens. All right. A guy that has hit the ground running. Speaking of time, he wasted no time in really emerging with this fan base. And, you know, Vancouver loves the blue collar guys, the guys that play a little bit of grit, a little bit of tenacity. And if they could chip in with the odd goal, then that's just icing on the cake. What is it about Connor Garland that has this entire city on fire right now? He's just fun. He's just fun to watch. Like he's just hot. He, he epitomizes hockey. You know, he's a shift disturber and he gets after it and he, he creates uh, offense and he's, he's a catalyst. He's, he's a lot of fun to watch. The goal was just great. Like he, he chips the puck. He, he, uh Oh, I'm in, I'm now going to be involved in the pregame for tomorrow night here <laughs> at Rogers arena. You'll probably still be able to hear me. I don't know if I'll be able to hear yeah, you so far. But so good. He, he, uh, you know, they push the puck up the boards. He raises pack past the pinching D man to get it cruises down the boards and then just takes this little head fake, little delayed pause on it. Kind of fake a shot, take a shot and uh, puts it beneath the net minder for the goal. And the pure joy from the Canucks at that moment was just so cool. You could hear the woo, you know, as he went to the boards and got attacked by his teammates and that epitomizes the guy. I mean, we, we had a very strong feeling when the Oliver Ekman Larson, uh, Connor Garland deal went down, that this was the guy we were getting. And so far it's six games. That's exactly what we've got. Fantastic. There's a little bit of energy, even a day in advance of their game down there, isn't there? Yeah, isn't it funny, Rob, how um, two games ago, it was when you and I talked last Monday. Oh, by the way, I said they would finish 3-2-1. and one I mentioned that the other day. On the road trip, <laughs> yeah. and they finished 3-2-1. and one. Um, As prognosticators, though, we, we get to brag on occasion because it it's usually a lousy business <laughs> Try to, trying to pick a playoff series and such, but... They're panicking after Buffalo, panicking with Detroit, and then suddenly, you know, things turn around with Chicago and Seattle. So good on everybody. Let's have some fun with this. I'm glad the city is electric. I'm glad they took a little pressure off themselves. By the way, at this practice today, a lot of power play zone entries, just a lot of um, puck retrieval at even strength. And a lot of energy, a lot of whoop, whoop, a lot of talk, a lot of chatter. I mean, this is a pretty enthusiastic group right now, as they should be. Let's talk about the blue line, because I think everybody's been really impressed so far with Oliver ekman Larson. But this was the one, I guess you would say, chink in the armor that the Canuck fan base thought that maybe Vancouver was going into the season with. I actually don't think they've been that bad so far this year. Tucker Pullman's been a little bit of a mess at times. I mean, even high-sticked Quinn Hughes uh, cut him open. Uh, along the end boards on a play he's been a little sloppy but um yeah no i i I think they've performed probably better than most people thought they would i don't think people originally thought oliver ekman larson would be with myers but they've been a decent pair and then the question mark that travis green just brought up um in the press conference after practice was whether or not he keeps the young guys together against a very fast physical large minnesota wild team tomorrow night because um, they got some wheels and they got some size. 
Luke Shen was out, as I was walking up to talk to you, Rob, Luke Shen was out here just working on his skating. He was digging hard. Uh, maybe Brad Hunt, I'm not sure who the other guy was, maybe Brad Hunt, but Shen was working pretty hard. There's a chance we could see him just based on the roster of the Minnesota Wild. I can't guarantee that, but Travis Green kind of alluded to the fact that maybe Rathbone and Burroughs aren't the perfect answer for the third pair tomorrow evening. But even then, he said, you know, they've adapted pretty well to most situations. They're getting 11 or 12 minutes a night and they're dynamic. Rathbone's pretty dynamic. These guys are looking for their first point, by the way. He had an excellent preseason, but Rathbone's kind of the go and get it guy. And Burroughs is kind of the, you know, stay back and take care of business guy. And they, they complement each other pretty well. And they're still developing. You talk about six games on the road and how you're always, you know, for example, one minute you're in Philadelphia, then you got to jet to Detroit, then you got to go to Buffalo. Those are all relatively close to each other, but you still got to pack your bags and get on to the next city. Vancouver's now home for seven games in a row. You've been around teams for a long time. That's a long stretch at home. Is that a blessing and a curse? Because you mentioned just before when we were talking about the road, how everybody gets together. There's a little camaraderie building there. But now everybody goes their separate ways for two calendar weeks. Blessing, yep. curse, or a little bit of both? Uh, I think if, it, if you were druthers or you had to pick or weigh them out, I think it's worse having seven in a row at home than it is having six on the on the road on in a row on the why road. Why is that? Why is that? I, I just like you said, I think you're so, you're uh, kind of separate. I, I mean maybe it's not so bad in this situation because you just got done with six on the road. But I know for a fact that guys would rather play, you know, if you have a three game home stand, that's pretty nice. Three or four and then let's get the heck out of here and then you know get out come back do it again instead of seven of course part of it is the opponents so you got we just described minnesota a little bit you got a philadelphia team coming in here looking for revenge you got an undefeated oilers team that is just knockout right now mm -hmm. rangers have been playing outstanding nashville's been overachieving dallas is dallas they're a good hockey team and then anaheim is in a rebuild situation trying to make a statement in the pacific division so that's a, all those games against california are big that seventh one, because those are the teams you have to bury if the Canucks are going to be in the postseason or lock up a postseason bid, at least taking care of business in their own division. Okay, so you were perfect at 3-2-1 and one when they were on the road. Give me a rough estimate of what you think would be a good home stand for Vancouver after seven games. Wait a minute, wait a minute, Robert. You want me to tell you... <laughs> you, tell me, you want me to tell you what I think would be a good home stand, or you want me to tell you what... I think they're going to do on the home. I, I, well, maybe it could be one of the same. I'm not sure. I, that, I would think seven and oh would be spectacular. Rob. <laughs> it would probably be pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think they would be happy with four, two and one or above. Right. Yeah. Um, kind of a three, three and one situation. Eh, you're, you kind of really want to win two thirds of your home games. So I think the benchmark lower, like if you, you equate it to the salary cap, the floor of satisfaction in this case would be four, two and one. And last one I got for you, Robert, and I really appreciate this, especially with everything that's going on behind you. Of course, Robert Simpson down at uh, Rogers Arena today. But, hey, by the way, can you hear the ACDC? Oh, that's a little scoop. Hear that? I, yeah, I a little ACDC coming out right now. <laughs> that's right in your wheelhouse, by the way. I don't know if you can hear it. Oh, I can hear it. So very quickly, no back-to-back -back games for the seven-game homestand. Does that mean Thatcher's going to get a boatload of work, or where do you see Yaroslav Halak penciled in, even if it was one or two games? 
Yeah, I don't know the specific formula and what their plan is, but he'll definitely get, I, I would say he'll play five of the seven. That's a pretty fair estimate, we, even without the back-to-backs. I, I think they have kind of a formula as what they want to do in terms of workload. It might come down to making that decision based on a specific opponent. Um, so that's kind of a wait and see. I would think he might get the Anaheim game on the Tuesday night with Colorado on the road looming on the Thursday. Mm-hmm. So that might be one of them. And then maybe he'll get one of the first three. So that would be the way I would probably view the use of our friend from Slovakia. Well, I can't tell you how much I appreciate this, especially down there. I know you're going through it, but thank you for doing this. Let's do this every Monday. And uh, your stuff on Twitter, on social media has been fantastic. Robert, have yourself a fantastic afternoon. Thank you very much, Rob. We got to give a shout out to our pals at Equity Guru because they kick ass and they are uh, sponsors and big supporters. So, uh, Thanks to Chris Perry and, and the gang. And thank you very much to you. I look forward to talking to you every uh, Monday. And I'll up next Monday, I'll update you on my third of six predictions that came in September, by the way. Right now, two for two. Not bad. Four to go. So we'll see what happens. I love it. Thank Here's- you, Rob. Have a fantastic day. It is very cool that every Monday, Rob Simpson, uh, Rob's got an unbelievable background. Time in Boston, he worked with uh, MSG Network, he has worked in Toronto, as you heard, with Gord Stelic. Uh, unbelievable that he is in this city and right now doing big things with us here on Sports Bar Radio. Robert, is welcome back on this show anytime. All right, let's take our break here. When we come back, we're going to get into all of the news of the weekend. We'll get you caught up with everything that happened. We'll get you ready for tonight's Monday Nighter, and we will get you abreast of everything you can be looking for in the days ahead. Yes, lots more coming up on Sports Bar Radio. I am Rob Fade. We'll go into the VIP room on the other side of the break. You're listening to Sports Bar Radio with Rob Fay, brought to you by Equity Guru. Equity Guru, investment information for millennials and madmen. You work hard for your money. Maybe it's time to make your money work for you. These are Equity Guru's biotech stocks to watch. Canadian-based Aqueous Pharmaceuticals helps you see and think clearer. With leading treatments for conditions like glaucoma, Aqueous also seeks to disrupt psychiatric medicine by finally getting the right amount of drug to the right spot every time. Join the revolution at AQS. Telogenomics Teleview technology diagnoses and monitors cancer and cognitive diseases like Alzheimer's. Minimally invasive with personalized results, Teleview enhances the patient's quality of life while reducing treatment costs. Their ticker is T-E-L-O. Soft tissue injuries suck and they take a long time to heal. Ortho Regenerative Technologies is developing a diverse pipeline to dramatically improve the success rate of orthopedic and sports medicine surgeries, getting you back on the road sooner and healthier. Ticker is O-R-T-H for the win. For more info on all of these companies and more, check out www.equity.guru. Welcome back to Sports Bar Radio with host Rob Fay, brought to you by Equity.guru. Sports Bar Radio. All right, once again, want to say a shout out to Rob Simpson. He of Van Hockey Now. If you're not following it on Twitter, you're missing out on some of the most up-to-date Canuck information out there. And uh, looking forward to doing a lot of work with Rob Simpson in the future. Okay, beyond the Vancouver Canucks, we've got a lot to get to. We're going to talk about the rest of the National Hockey League. We're going to touch on the NBA. Very big week in the NFL 
And are the BC Lions spiraling out of control in 2021? Yes, we got that and much more. Let me get you to that one room on this fine Monday afternoon where we house all of it. Let me get you into the VIP room. You knew tonight was going to be a good night, didn't you? Guys, the ladies don't want you wasting their time, so get to the point. 10 topics, 10 minutes. Hold on to your drinks because we're about to bring you the entire world of sports before the DJ can pull out the vinyl for his next set. Welcome to the VIP room. All right, seven games in the National Hockey League tonight. Let's get to the ones that have a little bit of Canadian content. Three games that we will focus on. Carolina looking to stay perfect as they take on the Toronto Maple Leafs, and it has been a dog's breakfast for Toronto. It has been anything but smooth sailing for Toronto, off to a 2-3-1 start. They were absolutely boat race the other night by the Penguins. Carolina, on the other hand, hasn't lost. They're 4-0, and they have a plus-minus differential of plus 11 in the process. What is good for Toronto right now? Well, not much, but you could say that the fourth line has been pretty decent with Jason Spencer and Wayne Simmons leading the way. Zero points in three games for Austin Matthews, just one point in six games for Mitch Marner, and that is a recipe for disaster. Hopefully, some of those guys, If you, again, if you're a Toronto Maple Leafs fan, hopefully those two can get it going. The poor performance for Toronto, a lot of people are starting to blame that on the goal. And when you give up seven in your previous game, yeah, you could probably look there as well. Jack Campbell not getting a lot of support. Michael Hutchinson have not helped Peter Morazic in his absence as well, who is still listed as day-to-day and will not be in net for their game this afternoon. Calgary Flames getting ready to take on the New York Rangers a little bit later on this afternoon. Calgary so far 2-1-1. The Rangers off to a great start. They are 4-1-1. Still no Ryan Strom for the Rangers. He remains in quarantine. Now, Calgary's coming off of two straight wins, including a 4-3 victory over Washington a couple of nights ago and a 3-0 shutout of Detroit before that. Rangers have been as hot as a pistol, and part of the reason is that they are playing good defensive hockey. The most goals that they have allowed in their last four games, two when they beat Ottawa 3-2. Aside from that, 3-1 victory over Nashville, 2-1 victory over Toronto, and a 3-1 victory over the Montreal Canadiens. Bottom line is you might want to take the under in this game, even though the over-under in this game is 5.5. 71% of the money right now in Las Vegas with the minus-135 New York Rangers. And finally, Battle of the Nation's Capitals as Ottawa getting ready to take on Washington. Senators a modest 2-3 and three against Washington, who has yet to lose in regulation 3-0-2 coming into this game. Cap's going to try to bounce back from that aforementioned 4-3 loss in Calgary. Well, Ottawa is trying to snap a two-game losing streak. They have lost three of their past four. Okay, let's really quickly check in on Major League Baseball Game 1 of the World Series starting tomorrow night. That one seen Framber Valdez getting the ball in Game 1. He has been outstanding in the postseason, 4-1 with a 2.77 ERA opposite him. The Atlanta Braves going with Charlie Morton, 0-1 this postseason with a 3.77 ERA and a whip of 1.26. He has been pretty good in the playoffs overall, 7-4 with an ERA in the mid-3s. Game one set for Houston and all eyes right now amidst all of the star power that both of these teams have on Jordan Alvarez, who's going to be hitting in the two slot for Houston, or at least that's what it looks like right now. He has been outstanding this postseason hitting 441. He's 15 for 34 with two home runs and nine RBI. It is unbelievable right now how good he has been. 
All right, let's get to the gridiron and let's start with the Monday Nighter. Before we look back on week seven in the NFL, and I got to think that it's gut check time for the Seattle Seahawks coming into this game two and four on the season. Their second straight game without Russell Wilson. They're going to try to break a modest two game skid with Geno Smith at the helm, and they are a underdog at home. That hasn't happened a lot in the past three to four years. Taking on New Orleans three and three and are coming off a bye week after a 33 22 victory over Washington. To add to the challenges for Seattle, Jameis Winston feeling really good right now at his previous outing against Washington's football team. Four touchdowns, with two of them going to second-year wide receiver Marquez Callaway. And without Michael Thomas in the lineup, Callaway is the primary target for Jameis in this one. Now, how does Seattle win this game? They simply cannot turn over the ball, and they can't absorb too many sacks. This has been a real challenging year for Seattle on both of those fronts. Smith was sacked five times by the Steelers in their last game and also the fumble costing Seattle that game. If he can avoid the pass rush, they might be able to cover those home dogs. Three and a half point underdogs, by the way, for the first time since 2018. And with no Russell Wilson on the field, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett are going to have to find new ways to get to the ball. By the way, Metcalf did have six catches for 58 in their previous game with Geno Smith at the helm. Lockett, however, only two on seven targets for 35 yards. Okay, very quickly, let's look back on Week 7. Big win for the Cleveland Browns, a 17-14 victory over the Denver Broncos. I think a lot of us were ready to roll over on Cleveland. That is a big gut check. Uh, Johnson on the ground, 22 rushes for 146 yards. He also had a couple of receptions for 22 yards. Patriots with a 54-13 thumping over the New York Jets. That is the 12th straight victory over the New York Jets for New England. Titans buried the Chiefs 27-3. Patrick Mahomes looked briefly like he might have had a concussion, but he did pass the concussion protocol and is listed as day-to-day. By the way, Andy Reid is 1-8 over his entire career against Tennessee. That is the worst record that he has against any franchise. Well, after a Week 1 loss, the Packers have now rattled off six straight victories, including a 24-10 victory over Washington's football team. Aaron Rodgers, 27-35 through the air for 274 with three touchdowns and no interceptions. Raiders with a 33-22 victory over the Eagles. That moves the Raiders to 5-2, which is their best start since 2016 when they went on to finish 12-4. 7-0, that is the record for the Arizona Cardinals as they get an easy one, a 31-5 victory over the Houston Texans. That is the second time that Arizona has started 7-0. The last time that they did it, you got to go back to my birth year, 1974. Tampa Bay Buccaneers getting past the Chicago Bears. Tom Brady becoming the first player in NFL history with 600 or more career passes. Brady, a modest day, 20-36 for just 211 yards, but again, four touchdown strikes, including his 600th. Justin Fields for the Bears, 22-32 for 184 yards, no touchdowns, and three interceptions. Well, not much more that you can say about the BC Lions of the Canadian Football League other than ouch, as they got hammered in Winnipeg 45 to nothing. Mike Riley just 15 to 31 for 131 yards in the air, uh, no touchdowns. Well, Zach Calero 16 to 20 for 267 and three touchdowns. The win gives the Bombers their first divisional title since 2011 and also moves them to 10 and 1 on the season. Well, the BC Lions now fall to 4-6 and find themselves in 4th in the CFL's Western Division.
Other games from Week 12 of the Canadian Football League. Hamilton hammering Ottawa 32-3. Saskatchewan in a nail-biter getting past Calgary 2017. They had a little tomfoolery in that game to pick up the victory. A couple of onside kicks. And earlier this week, uh, Friday, if memory serves me correct, it was Montreal getting past Toronto 37-16. What is next up for the BC Lions? Well, they take on Toronto in Toronto, that one coming on Saturday night. Despite the loss last week, the Argonauts are still tied for first at 6-4. and four. Well, again, BC's looking up at Calgary, Saskatchewan, and Winnipeg. The National Basketball Association coming out with their first power rankings of the 2021-2022 season. And the defending champions atop that totem pole, Milwaukee Bucks, coming in. Even though they had a record of 2-1 with the top ranking, followed by the Brooklyn Nets, the Utah Jazz, who were perfect last week, Phoenix Suns, and Los Angeles Lakers rounding out the starting five. Memphis Grizzlies ranked number 16 in the power rankings after an impressive road win over the Clippers, 28 points for John Morant in that game, and building on his Rookie of the Year campaign from a season ago. Toronto Raptors, 23rd in the NBA. Raptors on defense looking pretty good, but the offense has been brutal, averaging just 76 and a half points per 100 possessions in the half court. And until they get Pascal Siakam back, I don't know if that's going to get any better. Raptors at home tonight taking on the 3-0 Chicago Bulls. The Hornets are a perfect 3-0 getting ready to take on the 1-2 Boston Celtics. And the ultimate fighting championship getting ready for 267 over in Abu Dhabi. Islam Makachev taking on Dan Hooker. Makachev with an eight-fight winning streak and a bunch of momentum coming into this main card showdown with Dan Hooker, who absolutely jumped at the chance to replace the injured Rafael De Santos and will fight for the second time in five weeks. Jan Blakowicz taking on Glover Teixeira. And this is a battle of the oldies. Blakowicz, 38-year-old champion at light heavyweight, putting his title on the line for the second time this year, taking on Glover Teixeira, who turns 43 two days before this contest goes down. The UFC is back on Fight Island in Abu Dhabi. All right, that wraps up your Monday edition of Sports Bar Radio. I am Rob Fay. My thanks to everybody over at Equity Guru. My thanks to uh, a number of people. Chris Perry, the founder of Equity Guru. My thanks to Galen and the irreplaceable Priscilla Choi. Until we do this again tomorrow, I am Rob Fay. Good luck to the Vancouver Canucks, who will have their first home game with fans in more than a year tomorrow. But before that game, before the puck drops, you and I can get back together on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you download your pods on the daily. I look forward to getting back with you with a whole bunch of more news tomorrow. Until we meet again just a couple of hours from now, I'm Rob Fabe and listening to Sports Bar Radio as mentioned, presented by Equity Guru. Have yourself a great day.